Blog Talk Radio. Friends, welcome to the show on another Sunday afternoon. Sun guy, along with the coach with the most, come at us from coast to coast. He doesn't mean to brag, but he has to boast because his favorite all-time movie is Ghost Coach Mike Jones, who is in fact coming off of a birthday this week. We are joined by a great guest, but real fast, if you are looking for some wrestling, you have a free show happening up in Everett, Washington, SEE, brand new company doing a preview of what they are going to start doing in the next few months. So if you're in the Everett, Washington area, get up there for a pre-show at 4 o'clock. But without any further ado, returning to the show, long-time favorite guest of ours, Stuart Kemp, thank you so much for taking time out of your Sunday to be here. And thank you for allowing me to come on to it today. You are always welcome here. You know that. Now, <laughs> very recently, one of the things you have done is you went on a cruise for the first time, a new experience for you. I don't think there was pro wrestling on this particular one, but having taken a cruise, do you see why people are attracted to wrestling on cruise ships. It's become sort of a fad over the last couple of decades. That and music and that sort of thing. It's, it's because it's all encompassed in one area. Everything happens in that one area and, you know, you're sort of confined there for several days at one time. So, you know, um, the entertainment is the big thing for them um, between that and food, uh, the excursions, obviously, if you're going off the ship, but, a lot of times, you know, if you're on the boat for a period of time, if you're at sea or something like that, um, you definitely need to have something to entertain your, your masses. So uh, things like, uh, you know, the music events and wrestling. I mean, Jericho's got his, uh, his big, uh, big cruise that he does every year. Kiss has done theirs for the music and so on. <clears throat> so there's a lot of different ones that uh, are existing nowadays, anywhere between, you know, three days up to, you know, well, I think there's one couple I think has done a full year versus cruises. I, I, you know, they live on a cruise ship. Indeed, a lot of people have gotten into doing that because it is sometimes cheaper than living in an apartment. Absolutely. I think, I think a lot of it is, is that there's, there's a lot of variety on those things. And, um, you know, uh, I think, you know, knowing what your bills are going to be when you get in there, uh, you know, beforehand, you know, there's not any, like, extra costs, you know, oh, I need to worry about this, I need to worry about that kind of thing. <clears throat> I think that makes a difference. You know, if you're on a vacation, um, then there might be other, other things that crop up, you know, souvenirs, etc. Well, you do that you do that regardless on a cruise ship. But um, I think, you know, if you're, 
you know, you're expecting that your meal is going to be X and you've got to figure entertainment is going to be X and whatever else. And then you've got to figure all that and, and, uh, and plan for that. Uh, whereas, you know, on, on the cruise ship, it's already done for you pretty much. So you basically just show up at the specific times that they have the event set and, and you enjoy them. Now, obviously, this was your first cruise, like I said. Do you see a time when maybe you're going to do something like the Jericho Cruise and see some wrestling and some live bands and some comics all in one spot on the cruise? Don't know yet. It's just, it depends on what the price is like. I know that uh, Michelle Starr was the one who, who uh, arranged this uh, through Mark's Trello's uh, Best Bets, uh, and um, it was uh, a cruise for Alaska. It's towards the end of season, so you're not going to get the greatest weather in the world. Um, but uh, we had a couple times where the rain let up a little bit, and so we were able to explore a little bit of Juno and a little bit of Skagway, and, and um, not as much of Ketchikan as I'd like to have. Uh, the weather got a little bit um, nasty once we got to Victoria uh, and then cleared up on our way back to Seattle, so I was able to drive home when it was nice and clear. Um, you know, it's definitely one, one to, uh, to check out in the future. Um, a friend of mine went uh, on a cruise from in New York to Bermuda, and uh, they, they got um, the tail end of the tropical storms, and because of that, the ship was just a mess, and they actually had to cancel a couple of the performances on there because a couple of the people there got hurt while they were uh, practicing for their for their roles, and um, I think a port was actually canceled as well. So they, uh, you know, um, you know, I'd like to do that Bermuda one, but I'm, I'm looking at that uh, that weather and I'm going, oh, I don't know if I'm going to be enjoying that. Um, it was smooth sailing on the way up to Alaska. I've, I've never been to Alaska before, so that was a first as well. Um, and uh, I know there's there's been a, a storied uh, amount of wrestling up there in Anchorage and and uh, Juneau and, and so on and so forth. So, um, you know, definitely uh, uh, a storied area. Uh, I still actually have a program that I got when I was at the WFIA back in 87 of a show that uh, happened in Anchorage uh, for the AWA back in 1985. And, um, you know, they so they did, they did well there in Anchorage. I think they used the arena there, had about 3,000 people, and it was, um, you know, the tickets were much more expensive there uh, than they were for local shows. I mean, you know, you got to figure out the time, you know, it was like 35, 35 bucks or something like that for a ticket. And, um, you know, now, you know, now $35 is, is an average, but you got to figure it back in 1985 that, uh, that would equate to about $125 now. So it was, it was a spendy ticket, uh, but it, it packed the place. So, uh, you know, I'd like to go and check out some of those other ones. It just, uh, I've seen the Jericho cruises. I think they're around three or four thousand dollars. So I, I, I'm not sure that I want to do that just yet. Um, you know, because it's a little more spendy than what I did for mine. But um, you know, I definitely encourage people to, uh, to get out. You know, if they can. Obviously, you know, we've we've got this thing right now with with COVID and uh, and you get uh, Norwalk virus sometimes on some of these ships. <clears throat> so you just got to be practical. You got to be smart. Um, you know, go with your groups. Um, you know, I wore a mask during the time. Uh, there were actually quite a few people that did. Uh, I didn't get sick on the vessel at all, uh, which was great. And uh, and as I said, the the sights were, were were wonderful. I just wish I'd seen more more uh, wildlife. I didn't see uh, any whales at all. Somebody said they did. Uh, I did. I think it's a couple of otters. Um, but the, the sights, though, when we went through the uh, icy strait, were just uh, you know, and Glacier Bay were just phenomenal. You know, definitely definitely encourage people to check those out. And an ironic piece of related trivia there, I did, in fact, work on a show in Anchorage, Alaska, and on that very card, 
the aforementioned gorgeous Michelle Starr. Mm-hmm. Yep, it was uh, you, quite a quite a, a good uh, good show up there apparently. So that's that's great to hear. Absolutely great group of uh, guys up there doing some really nice work in the wrestling community. Mm-hmm. And you also, like we have said multiple times whenever you've appeared, uh, you are a very active member of the CAC. And, of course, with your wife's passing last year, this year you gifted a lot of lifetime memberships to people within the community for the CAC. I know you take a lot of pride in the organization and are very active in it. What was it like for you to be able to do that? Well, I went, uh, my first time that I ever went was 2014. I've been told for many years, you've got to go, you've got to go. And I always thought it was for the elite guys. I mean, the guys that have been in the WWE, in the NWA, the AWA, et cetera. And um, so I took a chance one year and I went 2014. And I was very surprised to uh, to see uh, the plethora of, of guys uh, in all walks of life that uh, that were wrestlers, not just not just the elite, which you know were fantastic, but also the non non elite. But what was more interesting was seeing the assimilation between all those. I mean, you know, <laughs> excuse me, excuse um, me. You can go to some of these other shows, and you know, you may have like a quote unquote star on the show, and and sometimes they talk to you, and sometimes they don't, and sometimes they're off, and so on. Um, you know, when you go to the CAC or something like that. The um, the camaraderie amongst everybody is is incredible. Um, they don't treat you like a secondary person, um, which is really amazing. And they uh, uh, that that I thought was the most incredible. Um, you know, when I when I played cribbage for the first time at CAC in 2014, um, I played with the Rebel Bill White and and Al Friend, um, and the Destroyer was there, and they had Paul Butcher Vachon and a few others. There were quite a few people that you know were well-known in the industry. And what was amazing was that, you know, they were playing, you know, regular fans and <clears throat> those who may not have been, you know, the elite guys in the business and so on and so forth. And that year I became a lifetime member. And I told my wife, I said, you need to go to the CEC. I said, it's, it's really an interesting place to go. And she went the following year, and uh, that year I made her a lifetime member. And since that point, she really enjoyed the CEC Golf Alley Club um, because it was one of those things that you could be, um, anybody, and you didn't have to put on a facade. You didn't have to be somebody. You you could just be yourself. She met a lot of friends there, and um, through the years, you know, we met a lot of uh, a lot of people there. And and um, she was one of those people that that uh, you know enjoyed her time so much there. And so, you know, it was uh, quite a big shock for for us. You know, when we gone to CDC in 2022. We came back, and uh, shortly thereafter, she uh, went to uh, the uh, the clinic for what what she thought was uh, um, pneumonia, or what we thought was pneumonia, ended up being uh, non-small cell lung cancer, and um, she was hospitalized, and uh, she ended up uh, going through uh, a couple of times uh, of trying to get everything set up, and then she had a cardiac arrest, and she stopped breathing, and they ended up uh, having to resuscitate her. And uh, she was on a tour for the rest of her life before she passed. And, you know, what was really amazing was after she passed in October, um, there were a lot of people that rallied around me and, and uh, were just so supportive of, of her 
and um, her abilities, you know, that she brought to the CAC. Uh, and, and you know, it was amazing because just you figure a month before she passed, she was at the CAC running the registration desk. So she was handing out badges and everything. And a month later, she passes away, which I thought was just, you know, just incredible. I mean, she was that sick, but she went there and she did all these things. <clears throat> we had about 100 people that came when we uh, spread her ashes this last October uh, at CAC. And uh, I talked to uh, a mutual friend of, of hers and mine. And, um, you know, we decided that uh, for every year that, that Kathy and I had been married, that we would uh, donate a lifetime membership um, in her name to a, a, a person who may not have been able to afford it or wasn't necessarily one of those elite guys like WWF guys or WWE guys or, or NWA guys or whatever else. And um, so we ended up uh, with 19 uh, that we did at CAC. And then at this last year, uh, this last October, would have been 20 years that, that Kathy and I were married. So I, I had another lifetime membership that was donated to the CAC. So it was a total of, of 20 lifetime memberships, uh, totaling $7,200. Yeah, $7,200 that went to the CAC. And um, it was, uh, you know, the, the um, what I really enjoyed about that was that there were there were these people that might never have been able to have a chance to be a lifetime member. And uh, and so now they can sit amongst those that are, I mean, guys like Mick Foley, for example, the Destroyer, <clears throat> Al Snow, et cetera, that, that are lifetime members. And so, you know, they, they can now sit alongside them. And uh, I think that is the most ever lifetime memberships at one time that's been given to the CAC at one time. Nice. I'm sure she would definitely be proud of that. Well, we buried her ashes. She's um, outside the Golden Gate Hotel. She overlooks the, the Plaza Hotel South Tower where we stayed at her last time that she was there. <clears throat> so people can pass by and say hi to her. <clears throat> and um, she can look over the CAC and, and know what, uh, what, uh, what a, a thing that she did. Uh, for the people, and I know that uh, the people that that are um, are receiving these lifetime memberships have talked to me about about either doing um, you know annual dues that they would donate to the CEC or, or lifetime membership they would donate in, into an auction or or similar, um, and that's phenomenal because I, I really like to see <clears throat> the fact. Excuse me, I, I like to see the fact that it's paying it forward. Um, the people that may not be able to uh, become lifetime members would love would love to and can't. Um, and then also, uh, you know, it also keeps the, the, the organization going because, you know, as, as our main guys, uh, you know, and I hate to say it, I mean, you take a look, I mean, Hulk Hogan, for example, 70 years old now, you know, they're not going to last forever. Um, you know, Ric Flair is what, 73. So, I mean, you know, they're not going to last forever. So you need to, need to find a way to continue the organization and you need to be able to find a way to do that through the youth. Uh, and they need to, uh, find a way to uh, to get involved somehow with the CAC uh, because it's the only thing that we really have left. I mean, you know, there's you know all these promotions that are there existing, but uh, um, they just don't have that lineage uh, and the connection. The CAC was really good because, uh, like the, the Sheets, for example, it was a great opportunity for you to find out about where, where territories were, uh, what monies were like, uh, what uh, sort of length you could spend in the territory, et cetera. Um, and that was really a, a good thing of what the CAC does. And then there's another one that uh, is in Waterloo, Iowa, which is called the, uh, the Hall of Fame. It's the George Trago's Luthez uh, Professional yeah. Wrestling Hall of Fame. Um, it's very similar to the CAC. Actually, some of the money does <clears throat> come from the CAC to, uh, to assist yeah, yeah, yeah. it. 
but it um, it does a lot of things, uh, both the amateur and professional aspects of it. So it's it's really a kind of interesting uh, niche to see. If you've ever been to Waterloo, or if you've never been, you definitely need to go because it's uh, it's really a phenomenal uh, event to go to. It is actually a brick and mortar building um, in the heart of Waterloo, Iowa, and it's called the Dan Gable Museum. And uh, as I said, there's a professional wrestling ring as well as the amateur wrestling ring. And um, it's, it's, it's just an incredible history on the business and how it evolved over the years and uh, became what it is today. Well, it looks like we have a caller on the line that might have a question. Let me check this. And do we have the caller out of the 903 area code? I'm right here. All right. Do you have a, a question for Stuart? Actually, I just call and give him my love. I've known Stu for 30 years. He was a referee for Blue Collar Wrestling when I, when Sandy Barr was training me. That goes back a long time, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, it is. But I'll tell you what, a lot has happened in 30 years, I tell you what. And I, I love you with all my heart, and I miss you, my friend. Well, I appreciate you calling today, and I and I hope that uh, one day I'll get a chance to see you either at CAC or Waterloo. I know you're closer to Waterloo than you are Las Vegas, so I know maybe you'll maybe you'll travel down there and see us. Uh, I know we're there. Was it July? Was it 19th through 21 or 18th through 21? From 18 to 20th. Um, so I usually get there the Wednesday, and I leave there on the Sunday. Um, but you know, definitely, you definitely want to check it out because. Uh, you know, Sandy did both amateur as well as professional, so you could see um, there what what it is that they do. It's a, it really is a phenomenal uh, setup that they have right there. I'll tell you a funny story about Sandy Barr. Just it just goes to show you how small this uh, this world really is. Because not everybody knew this, but I was actually a professional boxer before I became a professional wrestler, and. And what a lot of people also don't uh, realize that Apache Bull Ramos was actually my father, you know, and I didn't even relate it. I realized I was related to uh, Chris Youngblood. He brought it to my attention. Uh, I found that out at uh, Blue Collar Wrestling. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so it just goes to show you how small this world is. But funny thing yeah, is, when I was in professional boxing, uh, the guy that trained me to become a boxer was actually Sandy Barr's best friend. So I find it funny. His best friend taught me how to box, and then Sandy taught me how to wrestle. <laughs> nice. Yeah. You know, definitely, uh, definitely one of the things about uh, about Christian Blood, and you know, another one that has passed us way too soon. Um, you know, he passed away of liver disease um, when he was only 55. Yeah. Um, but he uh, he with the Young Blood brothers. I mean, you got to figure Jay was a phenomenal superstar in uh, in the Pacific Northwest. But also, yep. you know, in the Carolinas, where he made a, a big, big splash, <clears throat> and uh, Chris and Bark unfortunately weren't as uh, weren't pushed up as high as, as as he was, but they did their their uh, their their uh, their matches in Puerto Rico and and uh, Carolinas, yep. and as, as you mentioned, Blue Collar in Port, Portland as well. Um, yeah. So they uh, they actually, you know, I got I had a real opportunity um, many years ago. Both Kathy and I got to sit at the table with Mark and Jay, and pardon me, Mark and Chris. When they were honoring Jay and uh, and so on at the uh, at the CAC, and um, the speech that that Mark gave and Chris gave were uh, were phenomenal. And uh, you know the learning about about the family 
and the history and the Romero family that that ran in in uh, yeah. in Texas for many years. Um, you know, I mean, they, they, it uh, they, they struggled an awful lot. You know, you got to figure. You know, you've got guys who, you know, aren't um, are, well, shall we say, white? You know, they weren't, and they uh, and so living in the territory that you know doesn't really take kindly to people that aren't you know this uh, this skin color. Um, was really phenomenal, and then to be able to do the other was uh, was even more remarkable. And uh, and because yeah. of that, they they created something that um, that I I you know I mean I think I personally think had it been on TV and that's I think it would have been bigger than the Ron Eric's. Yeah, right. My wife, uh, my wife, she actually misses him calling because whenever. Uh, my wife would pick up the phone, and he'd be on the other end. He'd always say, hey, Miss May, how you doing? <laughs> he yeah. always called my wife Miss May. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's the thing is that they, they – that's the one great thing about about uh, the, the the industry is that it is, you know, even though it encompasses worldwide, it really is a small world when you think about it, um, yeah. you know, coming together at one time and, and, uh, and seeing everybody. And that's why it is that, you know, I push so hard on things like the Crawford Oil Club and the Hall of Fame in Waterloo. Because you know, and there's the wrestlers lunch in in Miami, which uh, also helps contribute to funds to the season. And those those do an awful lot to uh, to continue our our business, which uh, you know could could fall you know on the wayside at any time if it wasn't for the fact that we had such support from people um, that that helped uh, keep it afloat. You know, I mean, it's it's not yeah. an easy thing to do, but they do a great job, and it's you know it's phenomenal that. That uh, we have that, you know. I, hopefully, we'll get a chance to see you out in Waterloo. Yeah, the Waterloo one. I think I know about that one. I think if we're think, if I'm thinking of the same one, ain't that the one that has is actually has the music has it's a museum. Yes, yes, yeah. All it's right. in the heart of Waterloo. It's called the Dan Gable Museum. Um, it's just off of the uh, the highway from uh, uh, on your way if you're going to Darsville. Um, you know, you turn off at Waterloo there, and then you head down. And the Dan Gable Museum is right there. And uh, it was, I, I'm trying to think when it was established. I think it was built about 10 years ago. Um, yeah. But, the, um, but the, uh, the building itself is really phenomenal because it's such an interactive venue. Um, you know, obviously it's got its, its little store in there, but it's got the stories. You know, it, it, it's got different wings that you can see in there to see the yeah. amateur, to see the professional, to see how um, they combine into one. And there's also a, another little area that's uh, off of the museum that uh, people train in uh, that learn to both wrestle and 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 amateur it's it's phenomenal really the uh, uh so it's, it's a great a great venue there, huh? i thought that was just Pardon for me? looks they actually do training in there huh i, I yes, thought that they was can, just they for can do training in there yeah there is there's oh, wow. room there to do training that i didn't know yeah 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 i thought that was just uh for looks you know to you know kind of like uh to set the stage, so to speak, for the museum. No, they got a gym floor there, so you can you can practice. I mean, obviously a lot of it's on mats and that sort of thing, but a lot of it's holes and that sort of thing, which you need to learn both amateur and professionally. So, um, you know, I know that they do some stuff there, um, and they do some other other interactive things with the kids and so on. Uh, so it really has an opportunity to uh, uh, pay it forward, to bring it forward to people, so yeah. they can see what it's what it's all about, which is really phenomenal because I think that that. Uh, We'll we'll do a, a due diligence in in uh, in allowing our business to progress. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I yeah I actually learned a lot from 
Sandy. I, I miss him more than you'll ever know. And uh, But I asked him one day, I said, you know, uh, I'm often curious. I says, how come, uh, uh, I says, instead of them sitting in the back or being outside, how come they don't come, come out inside out of the weather to watch matches? He says, because if they did that, people wouldn't pay tickets to come and watch the show. <laughs> True. True. <laughs> and the other thing is, is that also you don't want to take away from what's going on in the ring either. I mean, the last exactly. thing you want to do is if, if something is going on in the ring, you don't want to have guys that are, are you know, sneaking out through the curtain to look and all of a sudden, you know, their yeah. you know, fans are paying attention because they're thinking that, oh, this, this guy's coming through the curtain. Is he going to be interfering in this match? And all of a sudden it takes away from the actual match itself. So, um, you know, a lot of a lot of uh, promotions have done things like uh, uh, putting a camera out so that people can watch yeah. the matches from the back to uh, be able to see what was going on and so on and so forth. Um, it really is um, a difference. You know, we used to, you know, sneak a peek through the curtain kind of thing, but we didn't want anybody to see us because, you know, we didn't yeah. want to be, you know, part of the match. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, nowadays, you know, you can have these uh, – these uh, camera setups that that you know people can watch on the screen, uh, which is yeah. great because um, they can they can see the matches unfold and see what it is that they don't want to do again, um, so that way they're not copying things, um, and they can see what the yeah. reaction of the crowd is, and they, that way they're not going out cold. Yeah. A lot of times, you know, guys I, are going I cold. I tell the kids if they want to be a successful pro wrestler. <laughs> Watch the old school wrestlers like the Vern Gagnes, and uh, I said because that's where you're going to learn. You're going to learn a lot, a lot of the history, and and the thing is, is that you know you may not think that a 15 minute armbar is your 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 cup of tea. That's fine. Nobody's telling you to do that, but um, but it's it's what made it 15 minutes. Why people got excited, you know, on an armbar that's 15 minutes. How could that possibly be? It's the way that people sold it. It's the way that people reacted to it. It's the way the wrestlers performed it in such a way that that yeah. um, you know got people excited, you know. And um, yeah. you know nowadays, I mean, everybody's got ADHD. I think to swear, you know, it's just like they want to go through this, you know, bam, 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 and we have you know 18 matches on a card now. And you yeah. know, back in the day, it was like five matches, maybe six at the most. Yeah. Um, even back in the day, before all that, they had like four. And if you had a two or a three-fold match, I mean, that would be, you know, it would take some time in there. Um, and, you know, I think a lot of that is missed. I think a lot of a lot of fans don't understand that. I think you can you yeah. can definitely re-educate them uh, in, in learning how things work properly. Um, you know, I myself was never a flyer. I never, you know, did the big, big high-flying stuff. Um, but... No. You know, I would, Me I would I definitely, but you know that. <laughs> well, no, I didn't. I, well, I was, I was the guy who, who, you know, for for lack of a better term, entertained the crowd. You know, I yeah. would spend, um, you know, five minutes of BS getting out to the ring, ten minutes of BS in the ring, and five minutes of BS on the way out of the ring, or more. It depends. <clears throat> so it'd be like twenty minutes worth of match that people it would see. That's part of it. It's the. Uh... Part of it is getting in the people's head, socializing, basically. Absolutely, it's not, absolutely. Not and socializing, that's, psychology. That's the word I'm looking for. You know, when you talk to when you talk to sign guy and you talk to Coach Mike Jones, I, I don't think any of the these guys would have ever done a match that was less than ten or fifteen minutes at the you know at the minimum, just because they had a lot of stuff to put in there that they 
didn't need to do 6,001 moves. They, they could do yeah. you know, half a dozen or so, but make it mean something. Well, Sandy Barr used to tell me something when he was training me. He said, because I, he said, because I, I was trying to do that in a training match yeah. one night. And uh, he, I was trying to do all this other stuff that the, that the, I call them luchas, the, uh, the smaller yeah. guys, a lot heavy. And he says, hey, kid, what are you doing? Do? I said, I'm trying to do what these guys are doing. He says, no. He said, do, do what you know. He said, less is more. Don't mm-hmm. go in there trying to do 5,000 things. You only need three good moves in that ring. Less is more. He says you can make the yep. match look really good with three good moves versus 50. That may be bad. I mean, you know, and the thing is, I see a lot of these guys want to do all these moves because I get to get all my stuff in. It's like, you know, <clears throat> the stuff, you know, it doesn't make the match. It's, it's the creativity with the crowd. If the crowd responds yep. to you, whatever, whatever it is that you do, whether you're, you're loved by them or hated by them, it yep. doesn't matter. The fact is, if you didn't get that reaction, then you've done your due diligence yeah. of of, uh, of of that. So yeah. Yeah, because what a lot of these new schoolers, uh, I call them new schoolers, uh, don't realize is, yeah, you got to have psychology, but they yeah. only use psychology in the ring. You got to have psychology for the crowd too. You got to be able to play that crowd. If you don't play that crowd, guess what? You're not going to sell tickets. Absolutely. Listen, Tim, I'll let yeah. you go now because I know we got a bunch of other callers on the line and answer things, so they gotta right. they gotta get in. But I want to yeah. see you in Waterloo if you have a chance, uh, and definitely yeah. keep in touch with me on Facebook because I, I I do want to talk to you some more. I love you. You hang in there, uh, and I look forward to seeing you soon. Take care of yourself. You too. Bye. All right. Have a good Thank one. you so much. We definitely appreciate the call, but. Stuart, I know Coach is standing by. I'm sure Coach has some things to ask of you, so I'm going to pass you right over to the Coach with the Most. The Coach with the Most. Hey. Hey, Stuart, how you doing, brother? Boy, I tell you, I was, I was all ready for the music intro for you. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Nice. Yeah, man, I really enjoyed your trip you, you took. It was nice that you posted those pictures and gave us updates. Thank you. Well, I, you know, I appreciate, you know, I wanted to make sure that, that uh, you know, uh, everybody could see what it was that, that I did. And, and uh, you know, definitely I missed, you know, the people. And uh, obviously going by myself wasn't as much fun as I could be with somebody else. Uh, maybe next time that will happen, you know, that, that somebody else will go. <clears throat> but, yeah. um, you know, the thing is, is that, uh, that you know, I, I just uh, have been talking to uh, Troy Peterson and Chad Olson, who helped run the, uh, the Hall of Fame in, in Waterloo. Uh, we're going to be doing the cribbage tournament out there, um, you know, similar that we do at CAC. So, you know, you can hone up your skills and, and uh, head out to Waterloo and play. Um, and the money that we raise on that will go to the Hall of Fame. Uh, and then uh, in August, it's the 19th through 21st of August for the Call for Alley Club. And so people can play cribbage in the nostalgia room there too. And, again, all that money goes to the CAC. Now, people seem to think, you know, well, you know, what does my money really go to? Well, I can I can tell you right now, at least on the CAC part, and I know that there's a lot of stuff that goes to the Hall of Fame. I'll get to that in a second. But the CAC part, a lot of it goes to the Benevolent Fund, which helps out people who may be sick or unable to uh, pay their dues, um, mortgage sometimes, taxes, um, hospital bills. I mean, for me, when I had the strokes in 2018, 
Um, and it was a shock to me because, I mean, who am I? I'm, I'm like nobody in, in the world of business. But here uh, Carl Lauer um, was uh, getting in touch with my wife saying, you know, why didn't we hear about this stroke? We need to, you know, send something your way so you can help pay down some of these medical bills. And I was shocked. I mean, it was a shocking thing when I received the uh, the Courage Award from the CAC in 2021. Um, neither of those I expected. Um, and and so it just goes to show you what that money can really go to. I mean, it, it, it helps out so many people, thousands of people. I mean, you, you won't hear a lot of the stories because a lot of them like to keep it private. Um, so that uh, that's with the CAC. Now, the Hall of Fame, I mean, there's always things that need to be uh, redone at the Hall of Fame. Either the displays, the building needs to be upkept, or they need to um, keep the staff in there to keep the uh, the building running, et cetera. So, I mean, you know, those are important things, too. And if, obviously, you know, they can do scholarships as well for wrestling for uh, for some of these people that uh, that go on to university. So, I mean, there's a, a lot of different things that, that they can do on their end that um, that are, are are big financial constraints for both of them. So when you support them, uh, it, you know, there's a donate button on the CEC website, and I think you can just send uh, donations to the uh, Waterloo, Iowa the Hall of Fame. But I know that, that all of them appreciate their support because without it, I mean, you know, our business would die, and, and so would the help to so many people. And as I said, I, I, uh, I am humbled uh, beyond belief when the CEC actually, you know, tried to help me out with some medical bills, um, and and then I got the Courage Award. I mean, just uh, those two things, you know, there's there's no way I can even begin to describe the um, the the, the uh, incredible feeling I, I had, and that was again one of the reasons why I know that it was important to do the lifetime memberships for the CEC. I know that if if it had been me that had passed away, Kathy would have done the same thing. Um, that that Kathy would have definitely uh, helped out the CAC in any way she could, financially or otherwise, uh, just because of the support of the organization. Right. So I know that uh, those are those are very important uh, to me and very important to the, uh, the group. And I hope that the people check those out. Yes, awesome, definitely a blessing. And I am a proud lifetime member of the Cauliflower Alley Convention and. I love that convention that I've been there many times. I uh, got to share it with you many times. Yes. And, of course, with your, your wonderful wife last time. And that was a wonderful memory the last time I seen her, how her face lights up. You give yes. her a hug and tell her you missed her. And, man, she was a special person. And uh, would you mind telling the fans and us a little bit more about her? Like, where did you guys meet? How long were you together before you got married? Where you got married? So uh, we we were married for 19 years. Uh, we married October 2nd, 2003. Uh, and that's kind of an unusual day because uh, the day prior, actually, I, I wrestled in, um, in uh, uh, Lincoln City, Oregon for Jerry Gray. Um, and so we, we did a, 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 the marriage at the courthouse. Uh, both Kathy and I were coming out of marriages that had failed, unfortunately. Um, mine was a very short divorce, um, you know, a short marriage and, and uh, lengthy divorce just because of me living in Canada, uh, or her living in Canada and me living in the States. <clears throat> um, Kathy was uh, definitely a fan of wrestling, had been a fan for many, many years, and then sort of got out of it for a while. And it was probably 
probably about 96 or so that, that she and her son actually started going again to the Bagley Center where, where Sandy Barr was, was uh, doing his events at, and that's where she met up with Matt Bourne. And Matt and her became exceptionally great friends. I mean, you know, she uh, she was one of those sorts of people that uh, would tell like it is, whether he liked it or not, you know, she would tell him like it is. And um, I think that's why he respected her so much for what she did. And I know there were lots of people that were looking on me, you know, when I, uh, you know, was uh, getting ready to marry Kathy because, uh, you know, they were like, uh, you better treat her well kind of thing. And, you know, there was a lot of pressure <laughs> put on me for that. Um, <laughs> but we'd been together for about three years before we got married, um, okay, you know, yeah. traveling back and forth between Canada and the States. I mean, it, you got to figure from Vancouver to Vancouver is 300 miles. Uh, so it's not, not a, a short distance. Um, but I know that every time that we had to say goodbye, it was, it was tough, you know? And so, um, we knew that, uh, that, you know, this was the right fit for both of us and we struggled throughout life. I mean, there's no two ways about it. We never had the, um, the, the big, uh, the big things going for us. We never did well, uh, financially. I mean, we, we struggled day in and day out. Um, but we made sure that every year we went to the CAC, um, I used miles to go to Waterloo one time. Um, and so, I mean, you know, it was, there were things that we, we did um, to, to sacrifice to, to do these things. But along the way, there was a lot of things that we did at those events that, uh, that really, um, really solidified what it was that we looked at. And, um, and that was the reason why both of us stuck with the CAC and, and the Hall of Fame for as long as we have. It's just, uh, um, you know, it was, it was a, an incredible thing, uh, October this last year, you know, just, uh, uh, you know, you've got to figure that, um, she, she passed in October of 22 and, uh, we spread her ashes, uh, in August at, uh, at CAC or, you know, right, right on that Monday of CAC. And there were a hundred people that lined up, uh, along, uh, main street between, uh, wow. between the private drive for Plaza and, and, uh, Fremont street that helped spread her ashes. Um, and we had, um, it was incredible from everybody to name wrestlers, to, uh, guys who'd refereed in the business to, uh, <laughs> fans, etc. I mean, it was incredible. Um, and you know, there was uh, one who sent an Indian prayer to her, um, and everybody could know where she was at. And that was the great thing is that she was again with all of her friends. So I knew that doing the lifetime memberships at CAC on that Wednesday was important. Um, you know, I had a, a an unusual disagreement with um, with CAC uh, president and, and vice president um, prior to all this, just because I wanted to make sure that Kathy was well represented. Uh, eventually, they relented, um, and uh, the presentation went off without a hitch, and it was wonderful. We had there were eight or nine members that were there physically at the building that could be there. Uh, two others that I gave their certificates to because they couldn't attend, and they gave them while they were in Las Vegas. Uh, a couple of others that I gave uh, in Portland when I came back, um, they were promoters of shows, and then uh, others that scattered throughout Canada and the United States. Altogether, there, you know, between the one that I just did recently, there were 20 altogether, uh, totaling $7,200 that went to the CAC. And that um, was, uh, to my knowledge, I think it's the largest amount ever uh, that's been given to the CAC at one time um, for yeah. membership. And, uh, I mean, you've got to figure 20. And I think when I, we did the shirt, I think that was 2015. It was on the shirt of 2016, uh, when they had 309 members that were lifetime members of the CEC. 
So even if you figure between now and then they had, say, 400 members, giving 20 of them was like 5% of the total of everybody that we gave to the CAC. That's that's a huge amount when you think about it. And, um, oh, yeah. and all these people you know, are, are in a range of age from, from, you know, upper 20s to upper 70s. And um, so, I mean, and all of them get to partake as, as lifetime members now, and they can uh, either pay it forward or they can, you know, uh, put their certificates on their wall and, and uh, remember Kathy well. And, and that's the hope is that they, uh, they'll remember her well. And, and, uh, and because of that, they'll, uh, they'll think about, um, you know, what they can do when it's, when it's time to, uh, to assist the CAC and HOF in, in Waterloo. Yeah, man, amazing. Hey, and you got a you got a special story you can share with us, like uh for example, one of the vacations or a special place you always wanted to take her that you were able to take her? Uh, well definitely Las special- Vegas was our favorite. I mean, you know, there's no two ways about it. Las Vegas was her favorite. She um uh, you know, as I've mentioned many a time before, she loved the C A C. Um you know, she loved going to Canada as well. She loved going to uh, seeing the sights in the Northwest. The Northwest is, you know, for those who have never been out here, uh, it, it's just a phenomenal thing to see all the, the greenery and the the, uh, uh, the oceans and the, the lakes and everything else. It's phenomenal. <clears throat> but there was something about Las Vegas that, that really appealed to her a lot. And, you know, it wasn't the weather. It wasn't um, – it, it was hotter than Hades out there. It was always like 100-plus degrees. Um, you know, it wasn't the massive structures. You know, you, know, you could see, like – the hotels that held 3,000 rooms, it was the people. And um, the, uh, you know, getting to meet the people and doing the things, you know, one, one story in particular that, that uh, is just about her, that um, before she passed, um, you know, in October, we went to the CAC. I had rented her a scooter because she wasn't able to get around a lot because she was having troubles in breathing. And so I rented her a scooter, and scooter, you know, got it at the front desk. And her and her friend went down Fremont Street with her on the scooter. And um, she ended up uh, racing this three-year-old girl on the tricycle on Fremont Street. And somewhere there's a video of this, of her, you know, you know, giving her the look and that sort of thing. And, of course, the three-year-old girl beat her on the tricycle. But it was just, you know, that, that, that smile on Kathy's face. And yeah, the precisely. enjoyment she had in there, I mean, even though she was so pained inside, I'm sure, um, just to have those moments of enjoyment and being able to, you know, she went with a friend of hers up to Oscars. Now, for, for people who don't know Las Vegas, though, Oscars is a high-end steakhouse in the Plaza Hotel. And uh, Christy Fox and I actually went there this last year um, in memory of Kathy. I had... Uh, the same dinner, basically, that Kathy had before she passed. and um, But Christy and I went up there. Actually, Christy and Kathy went up the year before. And um, so she was able to have, you know, one last great meal there. She was able to see her friends. She got to see Burt's Girls one last time with Christy, Ronna McAllister, and Lori Hurst all there at one time. Burt's Girls represents Burt Prentice, who was a promoter in Tennessee, also was uh, known as... as um, I'm trying to remember what the Bert Love um, when he was a manager in Tennessee, and um, he would promote some great shows in Jackson, Tennessee. He had phenomenal talent in there. Uh, Dory Funk came one time. Ricky Morton came one time. Jimmy Hart was there for a period of time, and it was just before they did the uh, the uh, baseball 
uh, our baseball uh, brawl in the park uh, in, in September of 2020, where they had Jerry Lawler in his 50th anniversary show. And um, but it was just you know Bert Bert was really a, a fantastic host. Um, you know, treated uh, all of us like, like kings and queens, and uh, you know it was just um, you know we had such a great time, and it was um, one of those times you know near Bert's passing that um, you know he asked Kathy if, if she could make it out to Tennessee, and Kathy wasn't able to because she wasn't able to financially, and uh, Bert said, "Well, I'll find out a way to get a plane ticket to you and that sort of thing." And shortly thereafter, he passed away. <clears throat> so oh. it was very sad that she wasn't able to do that. But it just shows you how much Bert loved her so much and how much oh, wow. um, she was with everybody that was at, at the CAC and, and, uh, and Jackson. We went up to her Championship Wrestling USA. Um, just, um, you know, it was uh, the, the people, the, the people are what really makes the, uh, the statements. I know that... Uh, you know, when we did the, the lifetime memberships at CAC um, and the people there, um, they were just, you know, ecstatic about, about they were saddened and just, just heartfelt over this, you know, that they had just seen. Um, but by the same token, they, uh, it, it seemed to almost energize them in some respects and that they were <clears throat> looking now to do whatever it is they could in Kathy's memory. And that's exactly what we wanted to do was to try and get people to, um, push forward into uh, memories. This last year um, at CAC, I, I want to mention this before before I forget, uh, Eve LaRue, who uh, lives in Montreal, Quebec. Um, now think about this for a second. He lives in Montreal, Quebec. He flew out to Vancouver, to Portland, Oregon, and, and drove up to Vancouver, Washington, so he could help um, get the house in order with Christy so that I could come home from the hospital. I mean, he flew from Montreal to here to do this, you know, a member yeah, of CAC. He went, underwent some, some serious uh, health issues uh, last few years. He wasn't able to make it to CAC. He came to CAC this last year, uh, and I was so ecstatic to see him. And um, I was so, so happy to see him again. And I know, you know, he was asking, you know, what time the show was at today, so I wanted to make sure he got a shout out for that um, so that, um, you know, he was recognized. Uh, if you go, I think uh, in the next year, uh, Vance Nevada is supposed to be doing a write-up on the 20 people that are going to be getting the CEC lifetime memberships. So if you're not a member of the Cauliflower Club, sign up today, cauliflowerclub.org, um, and, uh, and and get your copy of the year uh, because it will talk to you a lot about the uh, what the Benevolent Fund does, who the wrestlers are, uh, and, the, and the, the thing that we did for Kathy – uh, in donating the lifetime memberships, and I think that um, I think those people there that become lifetime members now, even if you're annual members, find a way to become a lifetime member. It it um, it all helps out to uh, to the opportunity to uh, the benevolent fund and and help out those that may be down in their luck. I mean, for me, I I was for sure um, shocked as all get out when when I got the support I did, and um, you know, I, I made sure to pay it forward when it was time, you know, and when I could. So, you know, I would encourage people as well. Yeah, what a blessing. You know, and there's one thing that you, Ken Hamlin, and Sign Guy all have in common, and it's nice to see that you're, you keep busy. You go, you all three of you guys go to a lot of events. What do you got coming up? 
Let's see now. Well, I, I'd like to thank uh, Ms. Ruallah for giving me the opportunity to uh, be a part of, of regular POW wrestling in, in Eugene, Oregon. Um, I uh, I go there as one of their commentators on the show, so you can check it out at YouTube.com and check out POW wrestling. I've, I've been doing them for the last few months and having a great time. Uh, there's a lot of great talent on the show and a lot of great wrestlers on there. Um, I'm supposed to be doing a thing for Inclusion Pro Wrestling in November uh, in Longview, so I'm looking forward to that. Uh, DOA Pro Wrestling, I, I, you know, I made sure that Terry Farnes is now a lifetime member, uh, so he can, uh, you know, he invites me to a lot of the shows. I go to the DOA shows. What's great about them is that a lot of our our fans and a lot of the fans that uh, supported us during the times that we did, um, you know, whether it was Sandy Bar or Tito Carrion, we did the shows out in in Hillsboro, um, and, uh, and, and then blue car wrestling and so on and so forth. So, I mean, there's, there's a lot of opportunities, I think for, for that, you know, I'm hoping, um, you know, after I've done these two, which will be called probably in Waterloo, maybe, uh, maybe I'll hit the boat again. I just, I, you know, I really enjoyed it. It just, um, just because, you know, it was like, uh, you know, you're, you're sort of confined there on that ship. So you really have to do what's out there, but there's so many activities that, uh, that you really can't do them all. And I, and I read through the brochures, I've got them at home and I'm going, how the hell could I have done all this? There's no way. So, um, I did do a lot of the dining though. I, I gained some weight. Fortunately, I've, I've, I've shunked off some of those, those pounds, but, uh, but you can easily overeat there. I mean, there's, there's just so many varieties of food to check out, um, on the boats there. But, um, you know, the, as I said, if you have a chance, I know it's, it's hot out there in, in Las Vegas in August, you know, for the CAC, but if you have a chance to get out there, please do, and, and, uh, or even become a member and just support them that way. Uh, Waterloo is, is, uh, is still hot, you know, in, in July. It's like it's been around 90 degrees or so. Um, but, um, you know, it's, it's, it's really great because, uh, again, you know, you don't have that, uh, that feeling where these guys are superior to everybody. Um, everybody treats everybody uh, like an equal, and I think that makes a huge difference when when uh, you have events going on, whether it be you know CEC, Waterloo, or anything else, where you don't feel like you're just um, just a number. You're actually treated like a person, and um, that really is the best thing of all. Yes, definitely. Well, hey Stuart, man, I thank you so much for calling in. Um, I, I think we're getting towards the end of the show. I'm not sure how much time signs got left. But uh, I got to run. So everyone, you guys can check me out at Coach Mike Jones or Coach Mike Jones on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, and Twitter. Don't forget to check out the Real School Army in the NGW Green Room for hundreds of interviews. And the Coach Mike Jones Show podcast every Saturday at noon Pacific. We're proud and honored that we've had Stuart on in the past. And next Saturday, I have Mike Rogers on. And I'm just getting the ink ready to sign uh, Short Sleeve Samson for November also coming up. Oh, that'll be, and, that'll uh, be awesome. You listen to those two shows, you'll get the Encyclopedia of Wrestling, which um, I think Mike has just put out just now. <clears throat> but uh, that, that uh, you know, unfortunately, he stops it at 92. There's there's a lot more that have happened since 92, including me. Uh, <laughs> but um, Okay, yeah. But, but the thing is, is though, that... Uh, that there's a, a tremendous history of of the Northwest that uh, people may forget. You know, oh my goodness, I didn't know this guy was here. I didn't know this guy was there, and and so on and so forth. I didn't know this guy was there for so long, etc. 
Um, so I think if you read through these books, um, you know, it's, it's really good. And Vance Nevada has, has a tremendous selection of books uh, talking about the Western Canadian scene, um, you know, from, uh, from everything from Vancouver, Calgary, uh, Winnipeg, you know, Ontario, Quebec, etc. Um, what's really phenomenal is, again, you know, the, the plethora of, of talents that have come through these areas before they, they went to the WWE or, or, or WCW or NWA or whatever else, or worldwide superstars, and, um, and seeing, you know, what they did. I know that there's, you know, I'm sure you're going to be uh, questioning Mike a lot. You know, I'm, I'm thinking, you know, one of the questions will be, which will be the most obscure wrestler that ever appeared in Portland or what, um, you know, that ever made it, you know, you know, obscure wrestler that ever made it, you know, big, you know, would be an interesting question to ask him as well. Yeah, exactly. Okay, yes. Yeah. Like I said, I wish you all the luck in the world. And thank you. I want to thank Sign Guy and QT and JD for starting Turnbuckle Turmoil and all the people who help out Turnbuckle, all the fans and everybody who supports. We appreciate and love you guys. Thank you so much. Thank you, Coach. Well, so I, I know <laughs> a lot of times when I would be at local shows, Kathy would heckle me on occasion, ah, rather loudly, on occasion, on occasion um, mm. I don't realize it, but a, I had a uh, highlight reel put together at one point, and in that highlight reel, you hear Kathy yell, quit profiling him, sign guy, when I was checking bad blood before a match. Tommy yep. Dreamer suggested I maybe pull that out, but I left it in there. I'm not pulling out Kathy heckling me from the highlight reel. So nice. Living perpetuity of that for sure. <laughs> what is your name? You got to see it either CAC or Waterloo, you know, if you can make it out there. Hopefully so, yeah, hopefully so. And I know you also, in addition to all that you have done with CAC, uh, you mentioned it briefly, is you run the cribbage tournament. I know not as many people play cribbage as there were in the past. I have not seen cribbage played in a locker room in a long, long time. Do you think that's something that when you go to CAC that a lot of the younger people just don't know about and would have an interest if they were more educated, or do you think it's just something that people get busy with on shows now and they just don't play cribbage anymore on shows. Well, I think what's happened now is that the, the shows themselves are structured differently um, than they were in the past. In the past, the guys would get to a town and, you know, they'd unload other stuff and order else. And they play some cards just as a past the time way, because at that time, <clears throat> the matches were much longer, you know, 15, 20 minutes, two or three fall minutes, you know, 45 minutes to an hour. Um, nowadays, you know, they have eight matches on a show, eight or nine matches, uh, which could go five or six minutes. Obviously, there's not much time to play anything. So, um, you know, that, that I think, you know, really hurts in terms of, of that aspect. Now, when we go to CAC, though, it's interesting. We have both the older generation, and we do have some of the younger generation that do play, um, just because, you know, we're, we're, like so many other things, we're trying to keep things alive. You know, um, 
know, people say they don't know how to play. You know, I, I keep telling them, I said, you don't need to know how to play. You only need to know how to count your cards. And if you don't count your cards, that's all that matters. Um, and really, um, as Bob Orton would tell you, it's the luck of the cards. There's times where he's won the tournaments, and there's times where he's lost them. Um, and it's just because one time you could have a, a monster hand, which gives you a bunch of points, and the next time you have nothing, which gives you no points, and the next person has a bunch of points. So it just, you know, it's, it, it fluctuates. Um, you know, it's just knowing how to, uh, how to count them. Uh, you know, you hear uh, Kenny Rogers with the gamble, you know when to hold them, you know when to fold them. Uh, it's the same kind of thing. You know, you know when to, you know, look at, at what you've got and, and to figure out the, the more opportunities, your, your percentages of, uh, you know, the card that's going to show up uh, when you flip it over. Uh, you know, it, it's real simple to teach. Actually, it takes about less than a minute to teach. You can read all the instructions there and you get confused. But I think a lot of times, you know, if you, if you sit there um, and just, just play practice round or whatever else with some of the guys, um, you can pick it up very quickly. Um, you know, I hadn't played in, in many years since my grandpa passed away. Uh, when I went to CAC, it had probably been about 20-some-odd years uh, when I played Bill White. And, um, but it was like a bicycle. You know, remember what, what, uh, what it is before you, when you fell off and you get back on, you do it again. And it was exactly the same thing. It's all of a sudden, you realize how to play it again. It's like, oh, okay. I mean, I've got the pages there. Anybody wants to learn how to play, uh, if they want to read it thoroughly, they can. But I think the best bet is just to just to sit there and 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 play a couple of practice hands. Get uh, you know, play it online. You know, there's there's a lot of cribbages online. Believe it or not, um, you know, it is it is a a game that that is online quite a bit. Um, and you can play against a computer or, or whatever else and and uh, and learn that way of what um, what works and what doesn't work and how to count and etc. And um, and you can be you know I, I would never say anybody's a master. There's nobody such a master uh, at cribbage. You can be a master of chess, for example, for strategy. But um, you know it's the luck of the cards. It's a strategy in knowing how to play what cards you need to play first, so that that way you know you can get the maximized out of out of either. And I think that's where a lot of people forget is that they, they uh, think that uh, um, they don't need to, to count cards, and, and they do. Um, and that's, I think, the biggest, the biggest struggle a lot of people do is that they forget about counting. And, and if they counted, they would realize just how simple this game was. We'll play sometime. Uh, I know uh, Bob Morton Jr. has been known to be an extremely good cribbage player. From your experiences, would you say he's one of the top guys that's currently at the CAC? He definitely is, but, you know, he'll tell you the first thing is the luck of the cards. He had he had hands this last year which were monstrous. The year before, he had hands that were just garbage, and he got, he got handed. Um, you know, so it can happen to anybody. I mean, you know, there are games – you know, that's one of the great things about CAC and, and Waterloo is that we'll play a best two out of three. So you play at least two games regardless, um, and it could be against, you know, Bob Orton. It could be against, you know, anybody. Um, and, and the fun thing about it is that you just, you just play. You just sit there and shoot the breeze, play some cards, have some fun, and, and, you know, don't take it too seriously. It's like professional wrestling. Once you begin to take it too seriously and you all of a sudden forget everything because all of a sudden you're trying to take things too seriously – uh, everything just sucks, you know. And so, I think if you if you are a little more relaxed, 
you go in there with that attitude of, you know, I'm just going to have fun, I think it becomes a lot easier for you. Well, Stuart, we're getting down to the last bit of the show today, and I want to make sure there is ample time for you. So if you would like to plug or promote absolutely anything whatsoever, the floor is yours. Well, I love to hear from people, so feel free. You can email me at bulldogbobbrownjr1, that's the number one, at yahoo.com. Um, you know, I don't use the Twitter so much. I, I do on occasion. It's bbbjr or at bbbjr. Um but, you know, I'd love to hear from people. You know, I know some people uh, message me and so on, so I, I see some messages from time to time on Facebook. Um, I love to hear from the old school. I love to hear from the new school. And, and so we, we try to make everything good. You know, if you have a chance to get out to CAC in July, or pardon me, in August, uh, Waterloo in July, uh, you know, check out the Hall of Fames for both of them because I think that you'll have a great experience if you've never been. Uh, if you have been, then you'll know what it is that we're talking about. But play some cribbage while you're there. Uh, have some fun. Uh, enjoy the shows. Uh, and and just, uh, just be a part of the experience. Well, Stuart, we want to thank you so much for coming back to the show today. Always a pleasure to have you here. I will see you at Inclusion Pro Wrestling, it sounds like. So hopefully our paths will cross then. And as always, best of luck to you. hope the health continues to be on the upswing, and I'll see you relatively soon. I look forward to it. Thank you so much. Have a great day for everybody. All right, fans, definitely. If you know Stuart's going to be doing something at a show near you, go check it out. Look into the CAC. Look into Waterloo. Both fine organizations worth your time and effort, so Look into those if you have not already. We will be back with you next week on Friday afternoon. We have with us Mike Rogers, the aforementioned author. And then a week from today, we have Stonehenge, wrestling out of the state of Minnesota, longtime wrestler there in that region. So make sure you have plans to be with us. Stay safe out there. Get out, support your local independents wherever they may be, and we will talk to you soon. 